Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News sitting across the table from Adam Regan of the Fort Myers News Press, and it's November. It's playoff season. I'm super excited. We've got a lot of great games on deck. Mr. Regan, are you psyched up for the postseason? Best time of the year. It is. It most definitely is. But before we get into the postseason, I want to kind of look back on the regular season that was. Hard to believe it's over now considering where we came from do you remember doing all those official stories back in uh what was that early august do you remember that mess i remember you doing uh, most I, of the official i wrote stories. more official stories than i ever have in my entire life and i hope that i ever write again well you never know yeah you never know um, but we'll have more news than that in the off season i think let's look back at uh, the regular season before we talk about these playoff teams what stands out in lee county is there anything other than the uh, playoff teams that we'll talk about here in a minute you know surprises disappointments anything like that if we're talking about Lee County non-playoff schools, I would say the best story to come out of Lee County is Ida Baker and what Chuck Fawcett did in his first season. Right. They finished 500. They don't do that very often at Ida Baker. It looks like they've got some building blocks for success. They actually had their first thousand-yard rec- uh, rusher. I saw that on Twitter. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, so good things going on over there in the Cape. A lot of disappointments, though, in Lee County. Obviously, you have ECS, who yeah, was well. so hyped going in with all their transfers. And they end up finishing the season four and six, and they finish four and six because Gateway forfeited their last oh, game to so them because Gateway a had a scheduling conflict. Yeah. ECS did not get into the playoffs with, with R.J. Rosales from Immokalee, with Greg Thomas from Dunbar, and all of those guys. And... A lot of them are going back to their old schools. Uh, there's been a mass exodus, from what I'm hearing, at ECS. Really? So it Already? Could be, it could be a different-looking team next year for Ernest Graham. These kids, man. I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into this because that's not our job. We want to talk about playing on the field. But it's just – I can't believe how much movement there is. And it's not even as bad here in Lee County as it is, like, over in uh, Dade County. It's, it's amazing. Just, you know, play for the school at the zone you're in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and one last disappointment in Lee County, and it's through no fault of the kids whatsoever. You had Oasis. They went 8-2 and two on the field. Mm-hmm. They probably would have made the playoffs, but they ended up forfeiting three games. And they finished 5-5 five and five officially. And as I said, not the kids' fault. It seems to be a clerical error that just got missed for a couple of weeks, and it ended up costing some of those seniors a trip to the postseason. In their yeah, final year. That, that's pretty sad. I do feel bad for them. That was a very good story coming in. Maybe next year they can do it again. But call your county man. I think the storyline there for the entire season was, and I kind of put it in our uh, rankings we do every week, that it was a top every year, which we knew was going to be. Naples was going to be the best in class. What we didn't know was First Baptist would join that upper echelon group and go undefeated as well. Other than that, just a lot of kind of middle-of-the-road teams. The uh, seven CCAC schools, that's the public high schools in Collier County, they were all separate. I should say six of those teams were separated by two games, from four to six to six to four, and then uh, Immokalee was only one game behind that, three and seven. So they all kind of beat up on each other, and because of that, only two ended up making the playoffs in Naples and Laley. We only have four 
playoff teams in Collier County, which is the fewest I think we've had in a couple of years. And, and then, of course, uh, surprises. I said First Baptist lately making the playoffs for the first time in five years. And disappointments, man. I mean, you, you got to look at Baron Collier finishing 5-5 five and five and missing the playoffs when they were at the number two seed just three weeks ago. Destiny in your own hands, which I know coaches don't like to hear, but – and then they just kind of whittled it away. I mean, they lost to a good Palmetto Ridge team, but then they lost to Laley, a team I think they could have beaten, squander a 22-point lead at Golf Coast and lose uh, to miss out in the playoffs. What was that post-game interview like with Mark Jackson? I want to know. Uh, I did not get to talk to him because I had to get photos and videos of the team celebrating with the Catfish Bowl trophy. Mark Jackson, rightfully so, left on his team, but he did reach out to me via text. So credit to Mark Jackson. Coaches don't like to talk. Uh, he, he was very honest, said I'm disappointed in the way we uh, finished and fretted it away. And so he, he did reach out to me via text. So uh, credit to him. And then Palmetto Ridge, I don't know if you can call it a disappointment, just that they came into the year with so many high expectations, at least you know in the way they finished last year and then the tragedy of the summer. And losing a bunch of players that, uh, you know, winning four games probably good. But when you look at the overall picture, I know they wanted to go to the playoffs this year. So that's that. Should we talk about playoffs? Yeah, let's get into the first group of playoff games in our favorite region because it has the most of our Southwest Florida teams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them made the playoffs. Class 6A, Region 4. We're going to break down some games. First one is the 1 versus 8 seed, South Fort Myers. At Naples, Adam Fisher took a little bit of heat on Twitter yeah. from the South Fort Myers faithful. Why don't you explain to us what went on there? Well, it was Sunday morning, and I'm uh, first of all, these playoff brackets are coming out. I'm working at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning, so my head's a, a bit foggy to begin with. But I look at the bracket, and I say, hey, Naples got a uh, matchup in the, just the second round with a very tough Miami Central team. That's usually a uh, state semifinal game. Of course, I didn't mean that. I'm looking past South Fort Myers. Of course, I would never do that. Just like Bill Kramer would never look past South Fort Myers. What I meant was, should they win, they're going to play Miami Central in the second round. That's hard to put in 240 characters. So I talked to Coach Willis May, and he gave me some slack. Uh, It it was funny, though. It was good-hearted. But uh, he said he's going to use that as bulletin board material, motivation for these kids. That's what we do at the News Press and Naples Daily News. We create bulletin board material. I do want to say some good things about Willis May's team. They went from 1-9 and nine to 7-3 and three yes. in the playoffs. That's where the Wolfpack belongs. That's the tradition of this school. It's a short tradition, yeah. but it's a tradition to be in the playoffs. So they're in. It's his first year. Yeah, South Fort Myers, they just have a bunch of good football players. They don't have high-end recruits. There are no stars next to the kids' names. It's just they're kids that are hard-nosed players, like uh, Nathan Castor, who set the school record for rushing yards last week against Estero. 233 yards, three touchdowns, and a must-win game like that. You got Adams Jocelyn, who you know is a threat down the field. Quincy Milholm, who's one of the guys we talked about, was one of the more underrated players in Lee County. So yeah, they. I don't know that they match up well against Naples, but I think that. You know, it'll be a decent game. I don't think Naples is going to really blow their doors off. Well, I agree. I don't think it's going to be a running clock game or anything like that. I think Naples should win comfortably. They're just the favorite. They're a very, very good team. Playing at Naples, especially in the playoffs, very tough. You know, Naples has won 12 straight first-round games over the past 15 years. So that's what I said on Twitter when I kind of defended myself for assuming Naples would be in the second round. I'm not assuming. I'm just saying they are the big favorite. How many straight first-round games has Naples won? Twelve. 
12. I mean, it's hard to argue with that type of tradition. And the one they lost was to a very good team out of Sarasota back in like 2004. So against local teams, especially, they're, they're yeah. very dominant. There's no, there's no need to get so sensitive on Twitter about <laughs> stuff like that. Well, coaches use anything uh, they can to. Oh, I'm uh, not saying Willis May was being yeah. sensitive. I think I think he used it in the right way as motivation for And by the players. way, let's just say Southworth Myers needs to send uh, Baron Collier a gift basket because that's the only reason they're in the playoffs is because Baron Collier squandered a 22-point lead last week to lose out on that uh, eighth spot. Yeah, I think they really do need to send them a gift basket because this first season under Willis May, I mean, creates a great foundation in a program that was, you know, trying to change the culture mm-hmm. a little bit after going one and nine last season. And that's even what Coach May told me. He said, you know, a lot of these kids haven't been in the playoffs because a lot of kids left from two years ago when South was good and last made the playoffs. And so these kids, it kind of gets that taste in their mouth. Win or lose on Friday, it gives them motivation to know what they're working towards, you know, January through August or July, whatever the off season is. Next game we're going to get into, it's Dunbar at Miami Central. This is the 5-4 matchup. Can you believe Miami Central is a four seed? I sure can't. They're 7-3, and three, but, man, it's just it's a whole different level of football over there. And I know that sounds dumb and obvious, but their three losses, one is to a uh, nationally ranked team from, I think, D.C. or some. Baltimore. It's uh, St. Fran- Francis Academy. They're the number two team in the nation. See, <laughs> that's ain't nothing to shake a stick and they, at. And yeah, Shamanah Madonna. And Northwestern. Northwestern. Uh, two, I think, number one teams in their class, I believe. Absolutely. If not top two. So, you know, the record doesn't look good. And that's where it, uh, the RPI, you know, I, I don't know what you can do to fix it, but, you know. I think they're probably the favorite in this region. Yeah, they they've got Division One recruits all over the place. Dunbar yeah. has a couple of Division One recruits, uh, but the guys you really need to watch out for are Miami Central. You got Katravis Marsh. He's the their pro style quarterback. He's committed to Utah. You got cornerback Henry Gray. He's a four star defensive back committed to Nebraska. Can you imagine going from living in Miami to living in Utah <laughs> or Nebraska <laughs> or Nebraska. <laughs> and then uh, they're running back Kijan Owens. He's committed to FIU. Then they've got. A couple of the three uncommitted three-star guys, talent all over the place, and then you have Dunbar, who offensively I feel like rocks back and forth with what they're going to do. That early in the season, they had quarterback Jarquez Riggins go down with an injury, and then Dunbar kind of shifted to a more run-heavy game. While Riggins comes back last week and throws four touchdowns. As Dunbar nearly knocks off undefeated state-ranked yeah. St. Petersburg Lakewood, that's got to be a good sign for Dunbar, right? I think so, most definitely. But again, Miami Central, just a different level of football. And, and that's probably a good thing that Dunbar, that was their last game, because you're not going to see the, the kind of speed and talent in Southwest Florida that you're going to see in Miami Central. And uh, a long road trip is always tough. So it's good that the Tigers went up on the road and played a very good team to kind of prep them for this game. Key to this game is going to be Brandon Benjamin. They're... Dunbar's bruising running back. Put the ball in his hands. They got to move the chains and keep the ball out of Miami Central's offense's hands. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm sure that's probably most teams' strategy against Miami Central. I don't know how well it's going to work out, though. Traz Powell's tough place to play. Very tough place to play, especially since I, I can't. I don't think Dunbar's been over there. I can't think of a time that Dunbar's played uh, over over in Miami. So Next up, I think this is the game in this region. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be the closest game. North Fort Myers at Fort Myers, a rematch of two years ago when North Fort Myers was undefeated. And explain that to me. They were they lost, They were up like 6 nothing in the final minute, right, and lost 7-6. to six. Is that right? So this is only the second time the two, these two teams will face off in the playoffs. And, you know, there's a 50-year history at North Fort Myers, and obviously Fort Myers football has been around for 100 years, but for 50 years, 
you know, they hadn't faced off against each other except in 2017, where Fort Myers had, you know, one of the best defenses I've ever seen them have. They completely shut down North Fort Myers' Toby Nolan-led offense, and Ernest Graham was the coach at North Fort Myers. It was 7-0 late in the game, and Fort Myers looks like they're on their way to running out the clock when they fumble late in the game. Fanage Gote, the linebacker who is now at Maryland, picks the ball up, has the presence of mind to lateral it to Joe Wilkins, their defensive back who is now at Notre Dame. Wilkins takes it all the way for a touchdown late in the game. And what does Ernest Graham decide to do when they're trailing 7-6? to Their offense has been stopped all game. He decides to go for two. I like it. And North Fort Myers stonewalls him, stops him. They get that 7-6 to six win in probably the best game Fort I've Myers. ever seen. Fort Myers. Fort Myers right. gets the win yeah. in probably the best game I've ever seen since I've been here in southwest Florida. So that's the groundwork for this game. The Red Knights are 13-39 and 39 against Fort Myers all time. It's one of the best Lee County records, probably wow. the best Lee County record against Fort Myers. And they've got a little extra motivation because during the regular season, Fort Myers punched him in the mouth, beat him 48-3. to The game is over at yeah. halftime. We'll see how North Fort Myers, who lost to Bishop Verl last week in a very close game, 21-14. to I think they acquitted themselves very well in that game. I don't think this particular reincarnation of the game is going to be anywhere close to the 48-3 to blowout that they suffered. Yeah, tell me about Fort Myers, because I feel like uh, they lost a game. They've lost a couple of games, obviously, but they lost a, they lost a Charlotte, and then they lost to Cypress Lake, which I, we were expecting them to win, and we kind of, uh, I don't want to say forgot about them, but, you know, there was other teams to talk about. They kept kind of plodding along. They won that big game against North Fort Myers. You beat South, won all their district games. So I feel like we haven't talked about them as much. Do you think, I mean, they're rolling right now and everything's looking good, or are there still any problems uh, that led to those losses earlier in the year? Well, they're on a seven-game winning streak since they lost those back-to-back games against Charlotte where they were blown out and then Cypress Lake where they were stopped on the goal line and they were without two of their best players in John Calais and Yesias Young. I think they're really rolling. That you know backfield has been incredible. Yesias Young has been great over the last two games. I think he's rushed for over 400 yards in those two games. But I think the thing about Fort Myers and why we, why we haven't really talked about him was they played the best part of their district schedule earlier in the season you know they had to beat north fort myers and dunbar and they did it and they beat south fort myers as well and they've been playing cupcakes the rest of the way well that that's what i'm looking at right here we talked about dunbar just playing a tough opponent to prepare them for the postseason fort myers has played eastley ida baker riverdale what do they have like eight wins between the three teams and five of them belong to ida baker so they haven't really been tested in in over a month yeah they have not been tested, and I'm sure Sam Sirianni is worried about that Go- going into a game against North, a rivalry game, which I think is going to be decided by one score. I don't care what happened earlier in the season. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun either way. And our last one, Laley, the surprise team I mentioned earlier, gets that seventh seed despite losing last week. They're going over to Fort Lauderdale Dillard. Dillard, a team that hasn't gotten much attention in the rankings or RPI, even though they're undefeated. They're the two seed, and they just jumped into the two seed this past week. They're ranked you know, top five in the AP poll, but not near the one spot. They have outscored their opponents 
450 to 93 in 10 games. That's an average score of 45 to 9.3. I did the math in my head because I'm a genius. Can Laley, I mean, they can't score very much. Can their defense slow them down? And you know, who's been on the Laley bandwagon? The, since we've been you've doing been this, you've been telling them you've been beating their drum since the beginning. I, I mean, remember they've got, they've I got talented kids down there. You did scoff at me. Yes, I did. But again, last week was another sign of this: the offense not being able to do much. Their defense did okay against um, Atlantic, at least for three quarters. They were down seventeen to six, and then Atlantic scored twice in the fourth quarter. But man, that that offense Dillard has, it's going to be very tough on the I, road too. I talked to another coach that was in this region about Dillard. And I had brought up to him that Dillard, you know, they didn't play the greatest schedule. It was, it was a little soft. Well, he told me that he's seen the film on Dillard, and he thinks that they're more talented than Miami Central, which shocked me a little bit. So Laley could really be in for even more of a beating than I think they're in for, if, if this coach is right. I, well, and then let's, let's say, let's pencil Dillard in for the win. Again, they're the heavy favorites. Then either North Fort Myers or Fort Myers has got to go over there in the second round. Man, that's going to be tough as, as well. Indeed. Well, that's going to wrap up our first segment of Playoff Games. When we come back, we're going to do the other classifications. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We're breaking down all of the area playoff games, and we're going to jump to Class 7A, Region 3, the 5-4 matchup. Venice at Lehigh. Lehigh wins its first district championship since 2005. And they get the pleasure of playing 2017 state champion and 2018 runner-up. Venice uh, doesn't get any bigger than that. No, it's kind of like we talked about in 6A where Dunbar, hey, they climb up to the five seed. Well, your reward is you have to go play at Miami Central. Venice 5-4 and four this year, so kind of un-Venice-like, but uh, break down that schedule. And there's a lot of heavyweights on there, aren't they, or Regan? Uh, the first game of the season, they play number one Bradenton IMG Academy, which is you know a team full of five-star recruits. They lose to state-ranked Sarasota Riverview, who Naples beat by a field goal. And they lost the by just three points. Yeah, and then they played nationally ranked number two Baltimore St. Francis Academy. Looks like they were running the Florida gamut because they played Miami Central too and beat them. And then they lose their district game to Bradenton Manatee, which that's always a pretty good matchup between Venice and Manatee. This is a, a very good team. Their offense features Florida State wide receiver commit Malachi Weidman who was also a Florida State basketball commit, too. Wow. We're going to see him at the City of Palms when they're down when he, down here. He's a very t- talented guy. And, you know, Venice is good. And that's really all I can say about Venice. Lehigh's 2-7 and seven all-time in the postseason. They won their two postseason games in 2009 under our Pete, friend Pete Fomanaya. Pete Fomanaya. I remember that. That was back when we were still covering South. And it was the year that Naples missed the playoffs. And Baron Collier lost us out in the first round. Like, it's the first time ever all our Collier County teams were done in the first round. But then I had to go cover South playing Lehigh, and Lehigh won. Uh, but getting back to Venice, they average almost 400 yards a game. So, as Regan said, they're loaded with talent. They're legit. Lehigh kind of got in in a crappy district. I mean, uh, I don't know if that's fair to say. I mean, Gulf I think Coast, that's was, very fair to Gulf say. Coast was pretty good. But then Riverdale and what's the other team in there? Northport. Northport. They're both down this year. Hey, 
Golf Coach has had a huge comeback to beat Baron Collier. So they, uh, they're they riding high into the offseason. Yeah, how did that win doesn't look that great? Well, not but, when Baron misses the playoffs, no. So, so I will say this about Lehigh. They set up their schedule, non-district, for games like this against Venice. They played Miami Booker T. Washington. They played Dunbar. They played Clearwater Academy International. They played Naples. And they played Charlotte. Both of those last two games, they played them pretty tough. So it's all set up for this these playoffs. So we'll see what they can do. I don't know if uh, freshman running back Richard Young is going to play in this game. He seems to think he is, but he re-injured his ankle against East Lee last week. So who knows what's going to happen there. But I don't think this one's going to be close. It's, it's just Pro- not Probably be. not. So um, a, a game that should be close, and I think our local team might be the favorite. Cypress Lake, the four seed, hosting North Miami Beach, the five seed. Cypress Lake is one of those teams that's rolling right now. They're putting up tons of points. Yeah, they're putting up a lot of points. They won the first district title since 1995. And fun fact, Cypress Lake High School has never won a postseason game. That is is fun- this the week? Do you know how long they've been playing football over at Over Cypress 50 Lake? years. Okay, okay. Interesting. Uh, God, that, that'd be crazy. They won their first uh, district on the road. In no, how- not on the road. It's at home, man. No, no, no. I'm talking about they won earlier on the road their first district title. Big deal. Now they get to come home. This will be the first big uh, win. I mean, that place will be blowing up if they win. Let's Uh, say if they win. And you spoke about their offense. CJ Shedd, he's thrown for 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns against eight interceptions a season. they got a running back in Michael Lennett Jr., who I think is really flying under the radar. He's got 1,000 yards this season, 19 touchdowns. That's that's pretty good. They score a lot of points, and he scores a lot of them for them. They're going up against the North Miami Beach team, who are making their eighth ever playoff appearance. They're three and seven in the postseason. Four of their seven wins this season were less than a touchdown. So they've been playing some close games. I think this game might be a close game, but I think you're right. I think Cypress Lake is the favorite here. And uh, North Miami Beach, they've played some good teams. They've lost two. They're three losses, but they've given up more points this season than they they themselves have scored. So uh, that Cypress Lake team has a chance to put up some points. Next game, we're going to go down to Collier County, Moorhaven at First Baptist. First Baptist goes 10-0 but doesn't get a bye. Tell me why that happened. So First Baptist was really hurt by their strength of schedule. You look at a team uh, that, that ended up getting the two-seed, Westminster Academy, and they play in a conference over there on the East Coast. So they had some bowl games, so they're automatically built in playing some teams with some very good records, which they won. First Baptist finished 10-0, and but their strength of schedule was .2, or their opponent's winning percentage was .291. That means all the opponents they played combined won 29% of their games. A huge uh, problem for them was two of First Baptist's wins were against Community School and Marco Island, two of the other private uh, small school programs in Collier County, those teams combined to win one game, finished 1-17. and 17. So that really, really hurts First Baptist in the RPI. But First Baptist was prepared for this. You know, they, they knew there was a chance that they would not get their bye. They get a home game in the first round. They get a team they have already beaten this season on the road. They're very excited for this group to kind of get their first taste of the playoffs. Well, the young freshmen, there's a big junior class there that played a bit last year when First Baptist lost on the road at Glade Central in the first round. What was that First Baptist Moorhaven score at? 12-6. to six. Just a, a sl- gritty slugfest out there in the Muck Bowl. Do you think Moorhaven is a different team on the road than they are at home? Well, I don't know. I haven't really seen them either way. I would think so. I mean, playing at Moorhaven is a lot tougher than playing on your home field. First Baptist, you know, 
you got to give credit to what they've been able to do. We did a story last week about this is they they're 10 years old now. It's their 11th season. Made the playoffs, you know, 6 of the past 7 years. They have good coaches who put in the work. Remind me a lot of what they do down there at uh, Naples, kind of built in the same vein where coaches that work hard, get the kids to work hard in the off season, in the film room, and they're going to be well prepared for this despite having a pretty young roster. And I think First Baptist should win. Do you think Billy Sparacio learned his lesson about scheduling Marco Island Academy? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, scheduling is, that the is game so they tough. They have to play. There, there's not a lot of small schools. I mean, if if you don't play Marco, then you come up here and play what Southwest Florida Christian or some other team that doesn't have a great record. Or you I'd rather play Southwest Florida Christian than Marco. Well, I, I don't know. If not, you know, you feel bad for Marco. Who's going to schedule Marco then? So we'll see next year. But for this year, they're very excited. And, again, they've already beaten Moorhaven, so I think they're the favorite. Last game of the week, Miami Christian at St. John Newman. St. John Newman, they're the four seed, right? And this is a they four, are the five, four, four five four game. Four five, that's right. First Baptist, I should have said three seed, Moorhaven the six seed. What do you know about Miami Christian? Not a lot yet. I haven't been able to dig in and uh, do my research just yet. I know that they are five and four. That's about it. I know Newman's happy to be at home. So many past years they've had to go on the road and play and and in past years as a four, five seed they w- or a four seed they likely would have gone on the road but the, because of the buys the way it works out they get to host the five seed and i know damon jones was pretty proud of this team this might be one of his finest coaching jobs oh be- absolutely because, what, they lose 15 seniors last year yeah, including, including jensen jones. right that air I force mean, now and i don't think any of us really expected newman to be back in the playoffs what they went they went eight games Sure. Win eight games, which one of those is that forfeit from Oasis. So seven games on the field, but seven and three against a tough schedule. One of those losses to IMG, one to um, – my mind's a blank right now, but I know Oasis was one. And let's talk about what they built there in just four years. When Damon Jones took over, the team did not win a game the year before. And then they go five and five his first year, quite an accomplishment. Then they have a winning record, make the playoffs, then they go undefeated. This year to go eight and two, seven and three on the field, I mean – They've dealt with injuries as well, you know, lost the running back. He told me one game against ECS, they were having linemen practice take handoffs on the sideline because they ran out of running backs. So they basically just turned to their quarterback, Mike Joyce, and said, Mike, you're carrying the ball. Everyone knows you're carrying the ball. And he did it. He rushed for almost 200 yards, and they won that game. Well, I will tell you something, Mike Joyce. Jensen Jones casts a very, very long shadow, and you have filled in very nicely you guys should be proud of yourselves. I'm interested to see how this game turns out with Miami Christian coming over here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, that's going to do it for our second segment. When we come back, we're going to pick games. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to naplesnews.com and news-press.com. Follow us on Instagram at NewsPress Sports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download our apps. Welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Our final segment is our pick segment. And I think this would be a very good time to rehash how we're doing this season. Let's see what happened in the regular season. Last week, Adam Fisher goes four and six. Wait a second, you went nine and one last week. That's the first time I'm seeing this. That that's crazy. I went nine and one, as Fisher said. That brings the season records to I'm eighty two and twenty eight. 
Fisher is 66 and 44. Fisher is 16 games behind me in the standings. Do you want to concede? Uh, well, I'm not going to fully concede, but I, I will concede that I will lose. But I'm not giving, giving up just yet. Look, here's what happened. I really painted myself into a corner. I got down early. I started throwing up Hail Marys, threw some interceptions. You know, it's like uh, when a team falls behind in basketball, you got to chuck up three, so that screws up your shooting percentage. That's what happened here. I'm 4-6 and six last week because I willfully just picked against Regan in an effort to make up games. Did not work out for me, and it looks pretty bad. Have you ever seen Braveheart? Yes. Final scene? where uh, Braveheart, uh, William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, is being tortured by the English, you know, fighting for Scottish freedom. And the guy who's at the gallows, it says, you know, this all can be over if, right. you, if, <laughs> if you say mercy. And then, you know. So I should have screamed freedom. Are, are you going to scream mercy or, gonna, or, or are you going to scream freedom? Because Andrea Melendez is over here is telling you to say mercy no but next week when you ask me if i'm going to concede i'm just going to scream freedom into the microphone and bust everybody's eardrums oh they can take our lives but they'll never take our freedom that's right that's right all right let's get into the games venice at lehigh venice because you know venice yeah tried and true lehigh still young and um you know venice is gonna win south fort myers at naples at staver field no question give me naples this might not be the best Naples team we've seen in the last couple of years, but they're definitely good enough to stick it to South Fort Myers. I agree. Naples is going to be tough to stop that uh, offense, and they still have a really good defense. So, yeah, Naples wins. Dunbar at Miami Central. Miami Central, a lot of Division One guys. Dunbar, quite a few Division One guys as well. It's going to be quite an assortment of talent over at Traspal Stadium, and I think that's the key there. At Traspal Stadium, Miami Central, easy. Yeah. And the talent of Miami Central is just on a, another another level. And so, yeah, I'll take Central. Caloosahatchee rivalry. North Fort Myers at Fort Myers for the second time ever in the postseason. I think it's going to be closer than people think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I will go with Fort Myers at Edison Stadium, though, in this one. I think Fort Myers will win, but I know that when these teams get together, crazy things happen, as we talked about earlier. It's not going to be the blowout it was in the regular season. And because I think it's going to be close and I do want to pick catch up on games, I'm not going to go against you on every game. But I think there's a good enough chance North wins this game that I'm going to take them. I'll take North Fort Myers. Well, there's zero chance that you're catching me. So That's you might probably as well, true You might as well. well go for a better record and not try to beat me. <laughs> Laley at Fort Lauderdale Dillard. We discussed Dillard. Uh, they're not. They're 10-0? and 10-0, yeah. 10-0. Uh, Might have played a soft schedule, but got plenty of talent all over the field. Laley with that defense, probably one of the best defenses in Southwest Florida. Probably not enough to contain this Dillard team, though. I will go with Dillard. I don't think so, and something that's completely new to these players. But let's give credit to J.J. Everidge in his first year. I mean, he's building kind of what we talked about Willis May at Southport Myers. It gives those kids a taste in their mouth of the playoffs and what they're working for in the postseason, but I will take Dillard. And as a side note, I want to talk about a little bit about the new coaches in Southwest Florida yeah. and how that, the effect they've had. You know, the J.J. Averages, the Chuck Fawcett's, the Willis Mays, they've been doing a really good job coming into tough situations. Yep, and Nick Bajika down at uh, Golden Gate, he's done a good job kind of making that program his own. They won four games this year, which, as I've told you, is an accomplishment because they the, the cupboard was bare down there, and uh, he's done a good job getting the kids to buy in, and he's kind of a player's coach down there. North Miami Beach at Cypress Lake. I think this one's the coin flip game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. 
And when it comes to high-scoring affairs, I will lean with Cypress Lake getting their first-ever postseason victory. Is this the uh, first taste of the playoffs for C.J. Shedd? Yes, I mean he's been wor- he's been a three-year starter. He's been working for this moment. He's battled through injuries. I think he shows up in this one. Yeah, he's going to blow up, man. He's going to throw six touchdown passes. You heard it here first. I get an extra point. If that happens, I will take the Panthers. Just making up rules as you go along. That's what I do. Moorhaven at First Baptist. I'm going to go with First Baptist in this one. I think they're obviously 10-0, so they're a really good team. Moorhaven playing away from home. Give me Rich Million and First Baptist. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout by any means. I think it's going to be closer than some imagine, even though First Baptist won on the road in, at Fort or at Moorhaven, but they're home now. I think Moorhaven is very talented, as they showed. First Baptist, it was their closest game. They won 12-6 to at Moorhaven, but I do think they will win again in a close one. Miami Christian at St. John Newman. I already said that this is probably one of Damon Jones' finest coaching job, but I'm going to pick against him. I'm going to wow. go with Miami Christian in this one. Not me, my friend. He, he's rolling right now. He's got these Celtics believing. And uh, some of the kids, you know, that didn't get to play in last year's playoffs, they're psyched up to be in there now and building forward. I'm taking the Celtics. Well, that's going to do it for our picks. We'll see how many teams we have left next week. We'll be back. And don't forget to go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports slash prep zone for all your high school football coverage of the playoffs. We'll have stories, highlights, photo galleries, all that good stuff. And videos. you got to watch our videos. Definitely. So we'll be back next week to discuss week two of the playoffs. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download to get you ready for the coming week's game. To get you ready for the coming week.